I've been in the book of Ephesians and the next, the last three connects of 2023 is going to be from there. Uh, and I think it's good to go deep occasionally. And if you've never read the book of Ephesians, it's in the New Testaments between Galatians and Philippians. And it is a letter written by Paul who visited the city of Ephesus. So this is called Ephesians because it's the church to the, it's written to the church of Ephesus. You can read about what happened in Acts 19 in terms of his journey, but the, the epistle he wrote that we all read from today is, was written years later when he was in prison, captured by the Romans, and he was writing to the church. No live stream, no online campus. So he wrote a letter that today is written all over the world because of how God has used the word. But Six chapters, it's very easy. In fact, I encourage you, if you do read the Bible, anyone here read the Bible, just lift your hand. There's a lot of people here who don't read the Bible. I need to tell you something. If you're a Christian and you don't have a burning desire for the Word, I question your salvation. Let me say that again. If you say you're a Christian and you don't open the Word, I question whether you're saved. Who are you to question my salvation? If you don't have a burning desire for God in print. Okay, let's, uh, they're like, you should have come to the nine. I was really kind. I gave out gifts to everybody. Okay, no, I didn't. Um, but read the book of Ephesians if you can. Six chapters, it's easy. Um, it's far better than reading the news. Okay, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, chapter five, chapter six. V very simple summary. Chapter one is about God's power and preeminence about how he's sovereign and he literally has an amazing plan for humanity and all of us are invited into that. Chapter two is his kindness and his mercy, which is the fact that we were once broken and cut off, but God's grace, we're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift from God um, and that all Gentiles were included. Chapter three, Paul is like reflecting on how amazing it is that he gets the privilege of being a part of the mandate and inviting the Gentiles into this. Uh, chapter four, five and six, the whole thing shifts in terms of if God is this powerful, this preeminent, this kind, this merciful, and everyone is invited, not just the Jews, the Gentiles, every male, every female, no one is in excluded. If that's the case, what's our response? It's like the first three chapters set up how amazing God is, and the second three chapters the talk about therefore what do we need to do in return. And so really it's about living worthy, it's talking about how we should protect our unity, and uh, in chapter five, he talks about family and how we relate wives to husbands and children to parents, masters to servants. And then in chapter six, he talks about how we relate to our enemies. So how we relate to each other, how we relate to family and how we relate to our opposition all reflect the fact that God is preeminent, powerful, kind, merciful, included everyone in the family. And he says, therefore, since you are the beneficiary of something God did that you didn't deserve, there's a way to live in response. And that's what Ephesians does. But at another level, anyone ever seen Spider-Man, the latest one? This is the real multiverse because there are alternate parallels happening at the same time. And he actually talks about in the book of Ephesians, he uses four distinct analogies to describe our relationship with God. Your relationship with God, he wants to put language on it and he uses four analogies. The first one he uses is a building. In chapter two, he says, we've been built on the foundation of apostles, prophets, etc." Uses words like cornerstone, the whole building, holy temple, whom you're being built together for a dwelling place. He's describing us as living stones fitted together that we are something God resides in. 
which is you're like, I'm not a building. Well, that's the analogy he's using to talk about how God relates to us. That we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Look at your neighbor say, you're a building. Yeah, don't, don't, don't say what kind of building, just say building. <laughs> Secondly, you're a body. Number two, he describes we're a body. Chapter four, he says, we're a body and he's the head. And uh, we're gonna talk about that today. That speaking the truth in love, we grow up into all things, who, into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body is joined. And there's a whole chapter on that. Then he talks about us in chapter five as the bride. And you're like, where's this? Well, he does this whole thing on marriage. Wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. You know, it talks about you know, man, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother. All of that, which is perfect for weddings, Ephesians 5. But it, he's really using the whole chapter as an analogy. I know couples who have used chapter 5 to beat each other up. You must listen to the word. But he's actually using it as an analogy to talk about us and God. Here's what he says in verse 31. He says, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. How many weddings have you heard that? Amen. But you don't hear verse 32. He says, this is a great mystery, not marriage, but that he's using marriage as an illustration because he says, I speak concerning Christ and the church. He uses marriage as a analogy because you and I are the bride of Christ. Do you realize that? So even though there's wonderful principles that are good for marriage, the only eternal marriage is the one between Christ and his bride. I've got good news or bad news for you depending on the state of your marriage. There's no marriage in heaven. Who's happy about that? Who's devastated? Who has no idea what to say because you're sitting next to the answer? All right. He's talking about how we relate to God, that we are the bride. We're a building that he dwells in. We're a body that he's the head of. We're a bride that he weds one day. And number four, he's an army. We're an army that he leads. Chapter six, you know, the whole armor of God chapter is there. Put on the whole armor of God. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, etc. All another layer of Ephesians. And I think, I don't know how often I'm, wherever I am, I don't know, I just... Uh, turn up to some country and that's where I'm told I'm supposed to preach. So uh, as, when I get the chance here, I'm gonna expand this and I guess build it into a, some sort of series. I've called it the church as God intended it from the book of Ephesians because every now and then it's good to go deep. So I would encourage you, if you get the time and if you have the heart, read the book of Ephesians yourself and start to understand what it says and the messages will make more sense. Even the next three connect groups will make a lot more sense. The church has God intended it. And so today I wanna to talk about one of those four. I'm gonna talk about the body of Christ. The body of Christ. You are part of the body of Christ. And people are like, oh man, I don't like the body. I like the head. The head is Christ. He's easy to like. The body is not as easy to like, but you are part of the body. Some people are like, why do we need to be part of the body? Because that's where discipleship happens. That's where growth happens. Encounter happens with the head. Growth happens with the body. Everybody wants encounter and you don't get encounter in the body. You get encounter with the one who is Lord and King. You, that, that, that your, your worship. In fact, tonight, if you get the chance, come back at 5 p.m. We're gonna talk about the, our devotion as a bride. 
and we're going to have a time of worship and we're going to actually have an exp- expended and extended time where we actually get to connect as one who connects to the head because we are the bride of Christ. So if you get, if you get the chance, get into the room at 5 p.m., it'll be awesome. Um, but this morning I'm talking about the body. I'm talking about the fact that we actually have to relate to one another. And let's look at Ephesians 4, since we're talking about Ephesians, and look at some of the verses. Verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling for which you were called with all loneliness and gentleness, long-suffering, bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Listen, verse 4, there is one body. There it is. One spirit, just as you were called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, the grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why did he give this fivefold ministry? For the equipping of the saints to, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the, of the body of Christ. So, you know, if the goal of today is by the grace of God, he would rebuke the atrophy, apathy, and and impotence of the body, and you would come alive knowing you are not just a person sitting on a chair or behind a device, watching a screen, or watching a person talk. Church is not designed to be a whole bunch of people that gather to watch one or two people manifest their gift. That is not the point of church. Church is where hundreds, maybe thousands, gather to be stirred, equipped, connected, empowered, to come alive because you have gifts in you and every gift needs to be exercised just like a body needs to function. And if a body doesn't function, a body doesn't function because one organ works or because one member is speaking. It requires everybody to come alive. Look at your neighbor and say, come alive. Come alive. Check their pulse. If they're dead, there's a doctor at the back who will help. There is one body. And here, here's what it says in verse 14, that we should no longer be children. No longer be children. That's the goal. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up. You've been waiting for this moment. Look at your neighbor, say grow up. Say, grow the heaven up. Because the alternative is bad. Grow the heaven up. In all things into him, who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined, etc., is connected. Listen, let me give you the summary. The whole goal of the body is maturity. Your maturity is connected to the people around you. You cannot get mature. Everybody wants to be mature, but you cannot get mature in isolation. You have to learn to deal with people. (laughs) I know that's frustrating, but that's the problem. People hide from growth because they want to hide from pain. They want to hide from problems. They want to hide from conflict. They want to hide from challenge, but you're hiding from maturity too. That's why the devil tries to isolate people because he wants to keep you stunted. And there's, if the goal is maturity and the body, if it functions well, brings maturity that we would all grow up they would all no longer be children. Well, there's a couple of markers of maturity. How do I know when I'm mature? Well, I'm old. No, that doesn't mean you're mature. It just means you're old. I've met some old people who are not mature because maturity is not a function of age. 
It's a function of growth. Okay. Everyone okay? Okay, here's the first marker of maturity. Number one, the unity of the body. The unity of the body. Unity is not uniformity, and difference must not necessarily lead to division. The, the, a sign of immaturity is the minute I disagree with you, I leave you. People do that with marriage, people do that with business, people do that with church, people do that with life. They quit when they find disagreement because they don't know how to handle mature, maturely difference. And you cannot have real unity if everyone is the same. That's called uniformity. Uniformity is not unity. God made everybody different. We just read apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, different personalities, different... You name it. Look at the diversity in this room. Look at the diversity online. Look at the diversity of our church globally. Everyone is so different. And yet, the prayer Jesus prayed is, Lord, let them be one. Not let them look the same. Not let them sound the same. Let them... And the sign that we get to the place where we're united is a sign that we've actually become mature. Some of us... The biggest challenge we have now is how do I handle people not like me? And if you conquer that, maturity is waiting for you on the other side. And, and, and here's a couple of things that will kill unity. Number one, ungodly comparison. Ungodly comparison. Um, comparing things is not a bad thing. Sometimes you have to compare prices when you go shopping. You know, if you're not sure if your kid's a brat, look at other kids. If they're well-behaved, your kid's a brat. Comparison does help. Gives you self-awareness. But ungodly comparison is comparison that leads to jealousy, leads to insecurity, leads to identity issues. I'm such a bad person because I look at them and you compare it to someone else's life and someone else's world. And when you do that and it starts to fragment your identity, it is actually going to break the unity of the body. The whole body is made up of different parts. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul does this whole discourse just to explain to people, using the analogy of a body, of how different we all are, and yet how ridiculous it would be if we compare. And he talks about if the hand says to the foot, I'm not like you, or the eye says to the head, you're not like me. And he goes through this ridiculously simple analogy just to make a point but we do that with one another because we look and go, oh, I don't like the way they do that. They're too this, they're too that. And we compare with one another and yet the body was never meant to function in competitiveness or comparison. It is dysfunctional. If my lung and my kidney are fighting with each other or my, my left leg and my right leg are fighting. Do you know what an autoimmune disease is when the body starts to kill itself? The church is the best case of autoimmune disease, unfortunately, of almost any organization in the world. We're the only ones who shoot our own. You know, a journalist was looking for scandal and he said to a bunch of pastors, atheistic journalists in the US years ago, he said, you know, when I want to find scandal in most other places, you have to look. In the church, you all come straight forward and dob each other in. He was almost, it was a mock. Like we're the only ones who shoot our own wounded. It's a disgrace because it's actually a sign that we have not got the maturity and in the name of this, in the name of that, we actually do things that actually fragment the body. You know, you have a mental illness if you start chopping off your body parts. And yet we do that in the body of Christ. In the name of truth. It's deception. It's delusion. And it's time we repent and humble ourselves. Just because someone doesn't think like you does not mean they should be cut off from the body. Now, you're like, yeah, but Paul said in the letters, don't have anything to do with this guy and that guy. 
We're talking about people who are attacking the body. <laughs> the people he said to cut off are those who are purposely infecting the body. You know, there may come a point where you need to sever a limb or an organ or cut something off because to save the body. So to sever something to save the body is different to severing something to hurt the body. Okay. But, but the, the bottom line is this, we need unity. And here's the problem with comparison. Whenever you compare yourself, you depersonalize the person you're comparing yourself to, you depersonalize them into a rival. You take out the uniqueness of the grace of God on their life and they suddenly become a competitor. That's a, that's a horrible trait to have. God deliver us all from comparison. If someone's doing well, cheer them on. Someone's connect group is growing, you're awesome. If someone's just seems doing better, let's not depersonalize one another into enemies, competitors, and rivals and fracture the unity that God is trying to build in his own body. And if you're like, this is, wow, this is full on. Do wholeness, it will help you. I did wholeness and I'm still comparing. Do it again. Do it again. There's something about this that we got to get right. Amen? Amen online? Amen. Amen. Okay, here's another thing that'll fracture unity. Disputes. Unnecessary disputes. Now, it's okay to fight. That's why you got married. It's okay to argue. That's why you, go, you have people in your life. But unnecessary disputes is not good. It'll fragment unity. Paul got tired of it. He said in Romans 14, one, he said, receive one who is weak in the faith but not to disputes over doubtful things. In other words, welcome anybody who's on the journey of seeking, but don't entertain disputes over doubtful things. I was a lawyer. I quit to avoid disputes. And then I joined a church and there was more in the church than in the court. More opinions, more fights, more links, more this, more drama. And I can promise you, it's not that we shouldn't wrestle with debate or we shouldn't talk about some hard issues and we shouldn't, you know, go to... I, I'm all for that. I'm good with that. But he calls a lot of things doubtful. And one of the signs of maturity is you've grown up enough to go, that's a doubtful thing. Let's not fight over that. Let's not split over that. Let's, you you want to eat vegetables? Pastor David, you can be a vegan. It's fine. We honor you. That's literally what Romans 14 is about. It's about vegetarians. He calls them weak, but I don't want to say that. I'm just saying, he calls them. But that's, he goes, you know, during, during COVID, we divided over vaccines. The church fragmented over doubtful things, which is real sad. May we be mature enough to rise above doubtful things because when you entertain unnecessary disputes, you entertain the seed of division. How many things have you walked away from because of doubtful things? I don't mean life and death things. Here's the, here's the key, like how do I know it's a doubtful thing? You have to decide in your life what's a principle and what's a preference. Don't fight over preferences. You have preferences, I have preferences, someone else's preferences, that's life. But they're doubtful things. There's so many things in scripture, people are like, I don't agree with how they do this in church. I don't like the way they do that in church. Listen, I wanna tell you, I don't like everything we do in church either. But they're in the realm of doubtful things. So why go and fight? The sign of maturity is you rise above that. 
And that's when you can have the old and the young walk hand in hand. That's when you can have all races walk hand in hand. That's when you can have all different political views walk hand in hand. That's where we don't have to fight over stuff. Because Paul says, do not entertain disputes over doubtful things. And some people just, they major on doubtful things. They just, they have an anointing for doubtful things. And they, they can turn the most doubtful thing into the most paralyzing principle that should split the church. Avoid those people. They're not good for your soul. You leave feeling dirty, angry, frustrated. Man, I wish I didn't get caught in that. Years ago, I remember I was in Perth and there's, um, I finished the service, I was walking through the crowd, just shaking hands with people and uh, this guy came up to me, yeah, probably a young adult male about, I don't know, mid-twenties or something. And he says, uh, I need to talk to you, you're the pastor. I'm like, yeah, he goes, my first time here. I said, oh, welcome. And he said, um, I have a one problem with the service. I said, what's that? He said, there's a song you sang, uh, you know, it was called the Apostles' Creed. And one of the lines, he goes, there's a line in there, I don't agree with it. I said, oh, what's the line? And he says, there's a reference in the song to the saints' communion, the saints' communion. And, and he said, do you mean like the dead people meet like the former saints? I said, no, I think maybe it means we're the saints. Maybe, maybe not communion, but just fellowship. No, but, no, but, but I think they referencing, I'm like, okay, okay. Anyway, I was, after about a couple of minutes, I was already like, okay, what's this guy trying to do? So then I said, um, I got an idea. How about you just don't sing the line? When the song, the next time we sing it, and they sing, I believe in God the Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in that. I believe, and then just join to the part you like again. And he says, yeah, but if you're the pastor and you agree with that line, that's, that, that's not good. I go, I, I don't think this church is for you. He's like, huh? I said it with real compassion. Don't worry, I wasn't. I said, he goes, what? He goes, I don't think you're going to enjoy this church. He said, I'm a new person. Shouldn't you try to convince me? That's literally what he said to me. I go, oh, no. In fact, I have a list of other churches I can recommend you to go to. He goes, but why are you saying this? I said, because if one phrase from one line of one verse in one song can cause you to have 10 minutes of problems like this on your first day, I'm sparing you the agony of the next 12 months because you will find so many things and... I promise you, it's people like you that I block my phone number. I didn't say that. I did think that. But you know what? I just wished him well and I said all the best, you know, hopefully. And, you know, we released him to his destiny and he hopefully found somewhere else. But I'm like, don't get involved with people, like doubtful things, fighting over dumb things. People leaving connect groups. I'm quitting church. I don't like what they do over guys. Don't fragment the unity. It's a sign of maturity that you can live above the fights that would otherwise keep you cut off and divided. Amen? Be united. Everyone say, be united. And you know, one of the keys to unity in the body is real connection with the head. If you're going to be really united, Bill, how do we get unity in the church? The church is so divided, so fragmented. Even now with the war in the Middle East, who can support Israel? Who can support Palestine? And in some countries, you can't say anything. Other countries, everyone's going. I'm like, 
God. You know, the, the real key to unity across the board is to be united with the head. If we are all united with the head, we'll all be in unity in the body. Think about it. You know, in an orchestra, a band, back in the old days, they used to have a thing called a tuning fork. I've got one here. You hit it, and you can actually hear the sound of true A. Now, in a band, now everything's digitalized and you know, people tune up that way. But back in the day, if everybody tuned to the real sound, everyone is automatically in tune with each other. It's only when we tune up to this guy, but I don't tune up to that guy. That guy tunes up with that guy. Everyone thinks they're in tune, but we're all fragmented. But if we all stay in tune with the one true A, everyone is in tune with everyone else. That's why the most important thing you can do is make sure you have a hunger for God, a humility for His Word, and saying, God, I want to be in tune with you. Now, you may make mistakes. You may still have some things that need aligning. But if all of us make a decision that we're after God and first and foremost, our connection is with Him, our unity in the body will actually take care of itself. Amen? And I think that is where the Word is really important. You're like, yeah, but the Word is where we fight over things. Do Bible overview. I'm going to find a greenhouse reason to promote every course by the end of the sermon. All right, here's the second marker of maturity, the functionality of every member. If we're going to be the body that God intended, if we're going to be the church that God intended, we need to have unity of the whole, but we need to have every member functioning. The goal of church, as I said, is not to come and watch another functioning member. You are the church. You're like, huh, me? Yes, you. Not the front row, not the front few rows, not the connect leaders. Every person who calls Jesus Lord is now part of His body. If you're part of His body, think about the natural body. If there's a part of your body not working, something is wrong. You need to get it checked out. You need to go to a doctor. You need to get it moving. You need to get it sorted out because every member of the body should be functioning. If the member is not functioning, something is wrong with the body. Which means we cannot have atrophy in the body. We cannot have apathy in the body. We cannot have indifference in the body. The enemy will do whatever he can to get you offended, isolated, put off so that you stop functioning. Functioning does not mean, well, I should be on this roster or I should be in that team. It might be in the area of prayer, might be the area of giving, might be the area of support, might be the area of care, might be whatever it is, every member in the body needs to function at some level or you fail to realize that that is the sign of maturity. You're like, but I'm old, I can't carry chairs, but you can carry prayer. You might say, I'm, I'm busy with work. Well, you can't be an usher, but you can be a tither. You might say, well, I can't really serve on a roll. Listen, it's not comparing one another, we're all different. But the real sign of maturity is that the body is alive because every member is functioning well. And that means, by the way, let me give you some examples. If every member in the body is filled with Christ, you don't need to find a pastor, you just need to find a Christian. Sometimes what can happen, all the pastors are clapping because it's like, normally there's just a line for the pastor. I need you to pray for me. And everyone in the line can probably pray for each other. Same God. No, but they're not anointed. They're only an assistant connect leader. They're not a real connect leader. We, 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 we get overly addicted to titles when God says, I will use anybody who's got faith. There's something about the body functioning 
You know, it's like, I, I, I like to get my hands laid on by certain people, so I get that. But I want you to realize that if you have a need today, this morning, the person next to you can pray for you, and the God above can minister to you as powerfully as any other person on the planet. Do you believe that? Back row, do you all believe that? <laughs> because that is how a body functions. We, we shouldn't compete with another. We shouldn't compare with another. We should just honor one another. It requires me. Here's how it works. You're like, yeah, but it's a new Christian. Do you know, I've had, uh, where was I? Which trip was it? I can't remember which, um, where it's, I think South Africa. And this little boy came and started to pray for me. I think it was South Africa. And he must have been six. And he said, can I pray for you? I'm like, you're six. Do you know who I am? No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said, of course I didn't say that. I said, of course. I thought, what is this six-year-old going to pray for me about? So I sat there and he started praying this power-packed prayer. It's like, I, I don't know where he got it from. I don't know. I, I, it's amazing. It was actually amazing. And I remember thinking in the middle of it, not like, oh, this is so cute, six-year-old boy praying for pastor, oh, nice. No, no, I actually in that moment, internally said, Father, help me to receive from you. How do you receive from a six-year-old? It's called honor. Not because he's got experience, not because he's been to Bible college, not because God is willing to use anyone. See, honor is such a key to the body of Christ. If, if you can honor, don't have, you're like, yeah, but I know them. You don't understand. They're very dishonorable. No, no, no. Don't honor their flesh. Don't honor their faults. Don't honor their weaknesses. Honor the God inside of them. And if you honor the God inside of them, you will access the God inside of them. And if every believer in here honored every other believer in here and access the God inside of every other believer, there'd be more miracles, there'd be more breakouts, there'd be more amazing things that God will do. See, right now, if the only goal of today is that not just the front row, but the whole body gets excited about this, we will be really mature. That's the sign there's real revival. <laughs> and, and you know, God wants to awaken the church like never before. It's not about who's the speaker for the conference. Or will Michael Maiden give me a prophecy? How can we pray over this guy, not over this guy? No, no, no. The sign of maturity is that there's honor in the body and we all come alive. We all come alive. And I can promise you, this is the, listen, look at this verse, verse 15 and 16 of Ephesians 4. Speaking the truth in love, we may grow up, we talked about that, in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, listen, joined and knit together by what? Every, everyone say every. Everyone online say every. Every joint supplies. Every joint is supposed to supply. You are a joint in the body. What are you supplying? The joint is not just supposed to receive, it's supposed to supply. Every person who's taking a seat in this room and online is a part of God's body, not mine, not the pastor's body, God's body. And every joint is supposed to supply. This is Ephesians, the analogy that we are a body. You're like, well, how do I even get involved? Come to Carriers this Wednesday. There's a good start. Do get involved in the sense that I'm called to bring the reality of God to my world. Do marketplace ministry in greenhouse. Is that, is that, is that what it's called? Leadership and ministry. What's the other one? Bring, yeah, do those ones. 
but find a way to realize I'm called to contribute to what God is doing. And, and you know, one of the things that'll kill the honor in the body is over-familiarity. Uh, you know, they said that about Jesus. Oh, little carpenter boy. They said that about Jesus. Familiarity is not bad because it's good to be familiar, but it's bad to be over-familiar. Over-familiar robs you. Oh, that's only Samuel. I knew him when he was a little boy in Clang. When he wanted to be a rock star, I wanted to be famous. Uh, now he's just standing up there leading, preaching all the young people. Ah, I've been around a long time. You've been around too long. Because what happens is, what happens is, when you've lost because of overfamiliarity, you lose honor for people, you, you can't receive. Once you can't receive, you're like, ah, this church is dead. Nothing happens here. Oh, come on. That's a bad sign. Because every joint is supposed to supply. The question, are you being nourished by the joints around you? See, in a few moments, if we all stood up and I said, okay, pray for the person next to you, you're like, uh, ah, I should have sat in a different row. Is this too real? I'll do, I'll do more hypotheticals next time. And, and, and I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. If all of us learn to honor one another, you'll receive so much more from God. And here's the other killer of, of, of the body when it comes to the functionality of every member is in independence. And don't confuse independence with autonomy. Autonomy is excellent. Independence is bad when it comes to the body. If you think if I cut off my finger and it's independent of the body, that's a bad thing, right? But it's meant to be autonomous. It needs to function. If I can't move my finger, something's wrong. I should be able to move my finger whether my toe is moving or not. That's autonomous. Independent means it's cut off from. So if every member is autonomous, that's a healthy sign. But if every member is independent, that's an unhealthy sign. It is, it, it is just one of the challenges we face in today's world. Um, and you know, I don't know if it's a gift, but if it was, that's the gift I'd pray for. God, give me the ability to awaken the gift in everybody. I can't promise you you'll be on the next roster. I can't promise you what your next role will be. But every member in the body needs to start functioning again. Uh, I'll close with this story. Why don't we stand to our feet? I'll close with this story. I had the privilege of meeting a lady by the name of Heidi Baker. Some of you know her, some of you don't. And we spent a few hours talking. And I've heard a story, I've watched some of the videos, um, and we connected for a whole number of reasons. And one of the reasons that was the mo probably the most impacting part of my meeting with her was when she started telling me about an encounter with God she had, that I knew she had, because I'd read the story, I'd seen the book. And uh, I'd heard about it. See, just for those of you who don't know, Heidi Baker is this lovely, sweet, 60-year-old probably lady who um, she, she, she was a missionary to, to Mozambique, and she did some good stuff there. But she went to Toronto in the 90s and had an encounter with God. An encounter so profound. I mean, it's one thing we all get touched by God occasionally. This was such a radical touch. This was like a Saul becoming Paul kind of Damascus encounter. And not just because of her, st her story and the witnesses of people who saw her, but because of the fruit. She went back after that encounter a few weeks later and something broke out in Mozambique. Today she sees the deaf healed. Almost any deaf person she prays for gets healed. 
almost like it's like just stunning what God did and she, what she's done with in that country is is staggering. Now, so that the fruit of that encounter was real, but she was telling me a detail of the encounter that I had never heard before, and it really wrecked me. And this is the detail she told me. She talked about how she got marked by God. She, her whole body was burning on fire. All of this, she was on the floor for three, four hours. And I've had encounters like that. But what she described later, I've never had, I've never seen, I've never heard. And she said this thing was so overwhelming for the next six to seven days, she couldn't function. And I said, what do you mean you couldn't function? Because it's just me and her talking and I'm asking her questions because I'm curious. I, I love encounters with God. I want to know more. She's like, what do you mean you couldn't function? She said, I could not function. They literally had to carry me out. I've seen people carried out of meetings, but then normally within two or three hours, they're back to normal. They're fine. They function again. It's okay. She could not function. And I said, how did you eat? She goes, I couldn't. And I couldn't even speak. This thing was so overwhelming. Her husband and people carried her back to the hotel room. And then she was just there. And then the next day, like she could sort of motion with her hands and she's like, I want to go back under the meeting. So they'd carry her, put her in a chair. This is the day later. This happened for seven days. I said, how did you? They said, eventually, she didn't even have the voice to speak, but someone figured she must be thirsty. So they put ice on her lips. It's like literally like a paraplegic. Her whole body wasn't functioning. This is her words describing the story. I'd never heard the detail that she hasn't really shared. But for six to seven days, I said, how did, I started asking personal questions. How did you go to the bathroom? <laughs> I, and she's like, I needed people. I said, why did that happen to you? She goes, she said, she said, she said something I'll never forget. She said, the Lord showed me something in that encounter that I never knew I needed. I came to the meeting wanting an encounter with him. And I got an encounter with him. But it's, the Lord showed me over the next six days, you cannot do this without the body. And she became so dependent in that encounter that she needed people to take her to the restroom, to feed her. And after about six, seven days, this thing wore off and then she came to and she began fine. And then revival broke out in Mozambique. And I thought, wow, God, you put someone through an encounter like that just to teach dependence on the body I don't know who here has a need you need God to touch your life your body if you have a need just put your hand up right now let's put your hand up it doesn't matter what the need is okay so if you're next to someone with a hand can you just put your hand on them for a second just just don't have to interview them just just let's honor the God at every person right now come on let's let's be the church I know you came to church but you are the church see someone with a need just, just pray over them right now. Release the grace of God. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know that every member needs to function. I do know that. I don't know. On the back row, there could be more anointing than the front row. It doesn't really matter where you're sitting. What matters is that you honor the Lord right now. Father, we honor you. We honor you. Thank you for your power flowing through every vessel right now to touch, to heal, to deliver, to set free. Let your power move mightily in every person right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Come on, if you can speak in tongues, pray over them. If not, English is fine. Just start to say, Lord, heal my sister, heal my brother, whatever the need, financial, emotional, physical, relational, spiritual. Can we do that right now? 
Can we begin to declare the goodness of God over each person right now? Let the body function. Let the body function. Even online right now, if you have a need, why don't you just put it on the chat? Let someone begin to minister right now. Can you imagine? With all of the faith in the room, what the Lord can do. Just declare over your brother, over your sister. 